thank you for being here tonight. If you have your Bibles, go find Matthew in the New Testament and go left just a little bit. And you'll find this little bitty three-chapter book called Habakkuk. Everyone say Habakkuk. Okay, so we're going to be going through the minor prophet, uh, the letter from the minor prophet Habakkuk tonight as we're in week seven of our series going through the minor prophets. And I'm really expecting the Lord to speak, and frankly, if he doesn't, what are we doing here? So I want you to agree with me that as we open up these words, that this isn't going to be some nice lecture, some decent talk with three little points and a precious ending prayer, but that as we open these words, that the very voice of God will thunder tonight. That the voice of God would rattle us to the core in all the right ways. That the voice of God would strengthen. One great scholar said, an African-American lady who can preach the paint off the wall, she said, a great sermon has to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And so we want to pray tonight that the Lord would just take good care of us with his word. Can you say amen? amen? So let's read Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11. And just realize, these, these prophets are probably not people you would have invited to a dinner party, you know? Not small talk people, they aren't just like, they don't, they just come in and let it rip. So expect that kind of word from Habakkuk tonight, but you'll see before the end that this is really, really good news. So hear the word of the Lord, and then I'll pray. It says, Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11, look at the nations and watch, and be utterly Amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. This is God speaking. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves, and they promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar, they fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence, those Babylonians, and their hordes advance like a desert wind and they gather prisoners like sand and they mock kings and scoff at rulers, they laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps, they capture them. God goes on to say, then they sweep past like the wind and they go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Lord, have your way tonight. Have your way. Here we are. We've made room for you. We've made space for you. We've cleared our calendars. We've shut everything down because we believe that you are the God who's worthy. We've been singing that, worthy, 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 worthy. We also believe that you're the God who is going to make us worthy. You're going to make us holy. You're going to make us clean. You're going to make us pure. You're going to strengthen us tonight by your word. And so we come and say, whatever you want to do, do it. It's green light for you tonight, Lord. We withhold nothing. We, we open our hands. We open our hearts. We, we relax into your presence and we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, so the, may, may the words of my mouth as the preacher, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. This is the first week of Lent. 
Now, Lent is this 40-day-long journey to the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus and then up Calvary with Jesus carrying the cross and down into Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and then wait for it on Sunday morning. We long for that great Easter proclamation. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And, and if Easter wasn't at the end of this, why would we be doing it anyway? But, but Lent is this beautiful season that the church global... Since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church has been coming back to this moment every year saying, Lord, would you heal us? Would you cleanse us? It's a season of repentance. It's a season of forsaking lesser loves so that we can have the one true thing that matters. It's a season of of preparation of soul, of fasting. Historically, people will fast something during this Lenten season. And saints all over the globe observe this season. And I want to say that whereas Advent is an arrival of the light of God's salvation, Christmas time, Advent, explosion of light, joy, this little baby in the manger, who knows what might happen next. Whereas Advent is an arrival of the light of God's salvation, the season of Lent is a descent into the darkness of the human experience. It's a bottoming out. It's a, it's a naming what's really going on kind of season. It's a season where everything is on the table. And, and so Habakkuk, I want to suggest to you, is the perfect guide to start our Lenten journey this week. Habakkuk, you just heard the first six verses that I read to you, and it's kind of, okay, we're going to do this then, huh? Habakkuk has three movements that I want to show you tonight, and I'll accompany it with three statements from the the minor prophet Habakkuk. So movement number one, here we go. Lord, I'm confused by you. <laughs> if, if Jared Anderson, you know, you know, if he's looking for another song, Lord, I'm confused by you. Lord, I'm confused by you. Lord, I'm confused by you. How you punked me. Whoa. Like, this is what Habakkuk is saying. Like, what in the world is going on? Like, like Habakkuk says, uh, you know, you're thinking it. You know, Pastor Brady always says, if people are talking about it in the lobby, but we don't talk about it in the pulpit, we've, what are we doing? We're wasting our time. Like if we can't name it in the presence of the Lord, what's really going on and how we're really feeling, we're just kind of all faking it in the presence of the Lord. And, and Habakkuk just says it's not, it, we, we don't have time to waste. These people of God had wavered and wobbled in their faith and they had wandered off and they had worshipped lesser things and... But, but, but Josiah came, this young eight-year-old king of, of Israel. He came and he, was, he recovered the, the law, the Torah. And, and he started to see these improvements in Israel. He called them to fast and to pray. And the whole nation turned their hearts to God. But, but here they hear the footsteps of the Babylonians crushing down in on them to, to destroy them and to lead them off into exile. And the Babylonians come and they destroy them. And Habakkuk one. Two through four, he says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you don't save. And why do you make me look at injustice? And why do you tolerate wrongdoing, God? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflicts abound. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Verse 13, he says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil, God. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? And why are you silent while the wicked swallow up 
those more righteous than themselves. Lord, I don't get it. Lord, what the heck? Lord, I I don't understand your economy and the calculus that you're working by doesn't make sense to me. This is what Habakkuk is saying to the Lord himself. Yes, we've wandered off, but you're going to send the Babylonians, a people who are fully uh, 10 times by a factor of 10 more wicked than us. You're going to send them to punish us like we're recovering the law. We're the ones that we're the children of Abraham and Sarah. And you gave us this promised land and we're trying and we're kind of turning. And yes, we we waver and we wobble, but you're going to send the Babylonians. I mean, this is like sending El Chapo to take it out on someone who got a parking ticket. Like, okay, makes sense to me. You know, the, the, the Israelites, like, were, you know, they, were, they were foolish, absolutely. They'd messed up, absolutely. But the Babylonians, like, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Like, you coming down here trying to execute judgment on us. Have you ever been confused in the presence of the Lord? Have you ever failed to understand what God is doing? Welcome to the club. Welcome to the Bible. (laughs) Welcome to the people of God. Welcome to the history of the church. Welcome to the saints scratching their heads at this God. Paul, Paul says in Romans, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out for who can know the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor and who could ever give to God that we should repay him for from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory. But you can't trace him out. You just don't know. You, like he's good and he's trustworthy, but, but, but you can't really always understand what God is doing, the deeper work of God. And this is where Habakkuk is. Abraham and Sarah knew about the God who would make you do things, call you to, into a life that just didn't always make sense. Moses, didn't, it just didn't make sense. He was minding his own business on the backside of Midian in the desert, and God comes to him in this burning bush that's not being consumed, but it's on fire, but it's not being consumed, and the voice, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground, and I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people, it just doesn't make sense. And here is this God continuing to do what he does. Elijah, it doesn't make sense. Hannah saying, it just, God, what are you up to. Most prophets in the Bible speak God's word to us, but Habakkuk speaks our word to God. Thus saith the Lord, most prophets, this is kind of their MO. Thus saith the Lord, uh, Habakkuk goes, listen up. (laughs) Thus saith the people. We don't get it. The Babylonians. The thesis that I'm working with tonight is that too many Christians are practicing a false politeness in the presence of God. Just kind of a faux piety. Oh, oh, bless his heart. Isn't it just good to be his? You know, just always rainbows and, and um, unicorns and blessed and highly favored. And it's just praise the Lord. It's like the saints of Stepford, you know, like just blessed be the name. Habakkuk says, get in the ring and fight it out with God. Like if you're thinking it and you think that he doesn't know that you're thinking it and so you're holding it because you want to be precious with God, he's kind of waiting for you to get honest. Lent is the church's yearly invitation to practice holy lament. 
to bring your confusion to God, to bring your questions to God, to bring your lament to God, to bring your protestations to God, to bring your frustrations to God, to bring your raw emotions to God. Habakkuk says it's all on the table and God is not fragile. I remember being in a European country five or six years ago with Pastor Brady and we were doing some other work. We'd been in the Middle East and then we came over to Europe for just a few days. And while we were in Europe, we were going to be meeting with 12 Iranian pastors, people from Iran who had had to run out of the country, cross borders under the cover of darkness at the threat of their lives. The, the very little assets they had had been frozen by uh, Ahmadinejad, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. You know, he was the prime minister at the time and he was killing Christians right and left and chasing them down and shutting down churches and he was just making it difficult. He was, he was the iron fist and These people had somehow gotten across these borders and found their way into this little bitty hamlet in Europe. Like 150 people lived in this little region. And they were hiding in this house, 12 of them. And they were coming because they'd given their lives to Jesus. Jesus had shown up to them in visions and dreams. And they were Muslims beforehand. And they said, this is the truth. This is the one. Like, yes. And so they come to Europe and they're getting trained to be pastors to go back into Iran and likely die raising up the church of Jesus Christ, the underground church of Jesus Christ in Iran. And we, we spent the day with them and we were teaching them just a little bit. Mostly they taught us and we were sharing meals and we were praying over them and we were prophesying to them because when you're living on the brink like that, just, just the spirit starts speaking and you start prophesying and you're, you're literally saying, give us this day our daily bread. And these people are so close to the voice of God, they, they hear him so well because they don't really have any backup plan. And so we're with these people who have no backup plan and many of them had lost family members and they had been disinherited from, from their Muslim family, family members who said, you, you've said yes to Jesus, you're dead to us. And so these people come to this little place for seven months to be trained in the Bible, to go back into Iran, to tell the good news of Jesus Christ and I remember we, the, the tables were set up in this like little horseshoe and there were 12 of them. And Pastor Brady and I were going around and we were at this point praying over them. And there was a translator there translating in Farsi to them. We didn't understand what they were saying. They didn't understand. So we were going through the translator and we were praying for them. And every single person, I, I just don't know how to tell, tell you this except that they pulled it out of us. They were so desperate that they pulled the very best out of us. And the Holy Spirit was speaking and it was this beautiful time. And we just started prophesying to these people and praying over them. And they were sobbing and they were sobbing and they were sobbing. And finally we got to one of them. I think it was maybe the fifth guy in the line. There were men and women there but the fifth guy that we came to and we're praying over him and something in him breaks and in Farsi he I don't know the word but I I, I remember hearing it he just started saying why 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 and he was just wailing he must have said it a hundred times and he's heaving and thrusting just why and we're laying hands on him, and at this point, we're hugging him, and we just, we're just holding him, and there's not anything we can say, oh, brother, just trust God. He's going to, no, you just shut up, and you, you hold the man, and you cry with him. A couple hours later, we sat down to dinner, and I was sitting across the table from him, and the translator was there, and we were sharing a meal. And he said, I feel so much better. He said, my body is different. I like physically, I feel 
different. He said, my soul feels lighter. He said, I feel like I got my voice back. Why? 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 God, this isn't what I thought when I said yes to Jesus. And I thought Jesus is the one of resurrection life. And it feels like my life is carrying a cross day in and day out. Why? 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 A couple hours later, he goes, I'm, I'm different. I feel alive again. I feel like I got my voice back. See what happens when we practice holy lament. We, we get our voices back. We get our souls back. We get our feelings back. And I just want to say with the year that all of us have had, basically it's felt like, I think for all of us, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but I'll just try. It's felt like a year of Lent. It's felt like a year of interruption, disruption, disequilibrium, uh, heartbreak, questioning, living every day, feeling like in the next 10 minutes, all of our plans are going to get canceled. And can we, can we plan? In, what are we doing? We're spinning our wheels and what's going on and people are being furloughed and businesses are tanking and, and, and we haven't seen family members and we're Zoom calling people who are on their deathbeds. And what is going on? And I just want to say to you that pain that goes unnamed resurfaces elsewhere. It just does. Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's going away. So I'll say again, Lent is the church's yearly invitation to practice holy lament. And I'll ask you, will you respond to the invitation? I had a conversation with Lisa a couple weeks ago where I felt, you know how like your soul feels like it's bottlenecking and it's all kind of stacking up, but you just got to keep it together because you got that big assignment, or that big project coming up, or you just don't want to, you know, the kids are around, but it's building and, and you know at some point either it's going to blow or you're going to find a way to pressure release, you know, so we put the kids down, and it had been building, and Lisa could see it in my eyes probably for a couple weeks, and, you know, and I, but I'm doing the Stepford, bless the Lord, praise Jesus, I'm a pastor, got to preach. And then I go home, and I'm going, and instead of popping, instead of taking it out on the kids, which I have done before, just, just, ah, Instead of doing that, I said, Lisa, can I just tell you how I feel? And I unloaded. And this, and this, and it makes me feel like that. And I wonder if it'll ever be like this again. And this, and this, and this, and bless her heart. She was just going, okay, yeah, yep, just keep, keep going. She's hosting my, holding space for me to let it go, and to let it go, and to let it go. And that was about 7.30, 8 o'clock, about 10 o'clock, we were falling asleep. And I said, Lisa, I feel different. I feel like I got my soul back. I feel like I got my voice back. I feel like I... I feel like I trusted God with the entirety of the range of motion, emotion that I've been carrying. The pain that goes unnamed resurfaces elsewhere. And just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's going away. So I'm just here tonight to invite you to say, Lord, I'm confused by you when indeed you are confused by the Lord. Second thing Habakkuk says, the second movement. He says, Lord, I will wait for you. Lord, I will wait for you. Habakkuk 2 verse 1, I will stand at my watch. Everyone say stand. I will stand at my watch and station. Everyone say station. I will station myself on the ramparts and I will look to see what he will say to me. 
here's how I feel. I feel like you've betrayed me. I don't, I've got questions. I feel like life is falling apart. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what I can depend on. I don't know what the future holds. But instead of running and bolting, I will, I will stand and see what the Lord will say to me. I will station myself on the ramparts. I, I'm not going to run away. I'll hold the line. As much as I want to bolt and find cheap comfort, as much as I want to run out into the wilderness and, and go back to the life that I knew before I knew you, even though I know that it's not going to pay off, there's a short-term payoff that will make me feel better. And, and, and though that's sort of the easy option in this moment, I will stand and I will station myself and I will wait and I will look to see what he will say to me. Habakkuk allows his lament to turn into listening. Sort of a leisurely listening even. I'm not going anywhere. In our secular age, deconstruction seems to be the new spiritual virtue. Deconstruction, the the moment pain arrives, many of us depart and start our search to find a God that doesn't require us to carry a cross. It's called idolatry. It's looking for a cheap shortcut that will feel good right now. I just, you know, if I go over here, there's just not this demand. I I don't have to stand and and station myself at the rampart and see what the Lord will say to me. I I know what I've got over here. I know I can pull these levers. I know that I can find a quick moment of relief. But Habakkuk says, no, I'm going to stand and I'm going to turn my lament into leisurely listening. I'm going to, the the moment questions arise in in our secular age, many of us look for a God that doesn't require us to wait for answers. And I'll just say that too many people make permanent decisions in the trial of temporary circumstances. Oh, this is so hard. I'm going to go blow my life up. I just don't, I don't like I don't, I hate waiting. I hate waiting. And America has gotten really good at making us love the quick fix. But Habakkuk says that that it's actually right here waiting and stationing yourself and just, okay, Lord. Instead of running away and deconstructing and blowing it up and taking the cheap shortcuts for the quick fix. Too many people make permanent decisions in the trial of temporary circumstances. And it's interesting to me that the name Habakkuk means embracer. He embraces the weight. He embraces the questions. He embraces the pain. He embraces stationing himself at the ramparts and listening for the God who sometimes takes, just feels like, I, I, I'm not gonna, I may not get that answer for decades. Am I okay with that? I may not get the right feels for the next five years. Am I okay with that? I'm just the, Habakkuk embraces. He stands. He presses through. And having done all to stand, he stands firm. Habakkuk lives Ephesians chapter 6 before Ephesians chapter 6 was written. Because this is what the saints do. Just like those Iranian pastors who are grinding it out and slugging it out and following Jesus. Even through shouting why toward heaven. I will stand and I will station myself. Don't make a permanent decision in temporary circumstances. Embrace. Habakkuk listens. He endures. He embraces the pain and the questions and he stands watch. He settles in for the long haul. Habakkuk is not unique because he has questions. He is unique because he's willing to wait for an answer. We don't like to wait. We don't like to 
to follow Jesus into Gethsemane and to fall on our knees and to wail and say, Father, are you sure we're going to do it like this? Do we really have to, Father, if it be your will, please give me the option B. Give me the other, give me, give me, Father, you've got all, you can do anything you want. If it be your will, please let this cup pass from me. But Jesus pivots and he says the word that changes the world. Nevertheless, <laughs> I, I want to run for the cheap shortcut. I want to make a temporary, I want to make a permanent decision in this temporary moment. I really, I really do. And it's, there's so much allure and there's so much quick payoff, but I'll fall here. And, and if I sweat drops of blood, I'll sweat drops of blood. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I will stand and I will station myself right here in Gethsemane and I will wait and see what the Lord will say. Habakkuk is not unique because he has questions. He's unique because he's willing to wait for an answer will you pray the nevertheless with jesus tonight in your moment of vexation in your moment of question in your moment of of ache will you will you say nevertheless not my will will you wait for god movement number three from habakkuk he says lord i will praise you i will i will praise you nothing's changed this is like this startling turn. And when I hear, Lord, I will praise you, I'll think, well, what happened at the end of chapter two? So something must have broken through. You know, heaven opened up and the check showed up in the mail and he, in fact, became blessed and highly favored and, you know, his body started feeling right and his relationship started feeling right and actually the Babylonians decided to turn around unbeknownst to them and just go on back home and there was no fight and there was no exile and there was no war. Lord, I'll praise you. That's actually not what happened. It didn't get better. And he decided to praise him. We think this is because Habakkuk got what he wanted, that God finally came through. No, God did not yet come through for him. And Habakkuk says that this is how the book of Habakkuk ends. Listen to this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, and though there are no sheep in the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He enables me to do the dance up in the difficult places, up in the high places of the earth like a deer bouncing from place to place and you make the wrong step and you're gonna fall. But somehow they just learn to do the dance. Habakkuk says, though everything is falling apart, yet I will praise God for he is my strength and he enables me to do the dance even when my prayer have not been answered, when my questions have not been answered, even though I'm embracing the ache and even though I'm embracing the pain and even though I've learned to pray, nevertheless, not my will, somehow God has given me power to praise him. I will praise him. I don't know what's going on right now, says Habakkuk, but I know enough about you to know that death and devastation will not have the final word. I know enough about you, God, to know that chaos and confusion will not have the final word. I know enough about you, God, to know that poverty and political unrest will not have the final word in my life. And I know enough about you, God, to know that agony and alienation and affliction will not have the final word. Habakkuk says, I will praise you. I will praise you. I will praise you in advance. I will praise you by faith, even when I don't know how it's going to come and how it's going to turn around for my good. I will praise you, I will praise you, I will pray. I know enough about you to know that you will not let it stay like this. 
Sovereign Lord is my strength, and he enables me to do the dance. In the dicey terrain, he helps me. Days when I want to quit, he helps me. Days when I want to run for the cheap comfort, he helps me. He draws me back in. How can we praise in the midst of the madness? We can, we can only say this because we know what happened with Jesus. We can say this today. Habakkuk said it on, on this side of the cross. We're on this side of the cross. We know what God did with the son of God who was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And here we are on the back side of the cross looking back in history going, if God did it for Jesus, he'll do it for us. If God could take care of that, he can take care of the future. If God can do this, then I can trust him for that. Tonight we can praise him because we know what he did with Jesus. Jesus was hung on a cross and he prayed Psalm 22 verse 1. He told the truth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus wasn't precious in his final moments. Jesus told the truth about how he felt. He suffered to the very worst that the enemy could throw at him, and he waited in the grave, and on the third day, his father raised him to life. And as we start our journey into Lent, we can tell the truth about our pain. I want to invite all of you who have been carrying a year's worth of burdens, who have been carrying decades' worth of pain, whatever it is that you've allowed to accrue and to stack up and you haven't found that pressure release valve, Lent is your season, baby. This is your time to let it rip, to get into the ring with God and to duke it out, to get out a journal and to fill it up, to talk to someone that you can trust and someone that you know and someone that you love. Find a counselor like Dr. Chris over here and just let it rip. Give it to the Lord and watch what happens in your soul. Lent is your season. Lent is your season to learn to exercise patience and to wait for the Lord and to stand and to station yourself at the ramparts and to wait and to see what the Lord our God will say because 40 days from now he will say something lent's your season to tell the truth lent's your season to learn how to be patient and to say nevertheless lent's your season to begin to praise to praise in advance to praise in front of the miracle to praise before you know how it's going to get sorted out because though lament will mark the journey the destination is doxology, the destination of our lives, the destination of the future, the destination of creation because of what Jesus has done for us in his death and what the Father has done in raising up his son. The destination is doxology. Oh, how, oh, how good the Lord is. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be the glory forevermore. So Lord, I don't feel it right now, but I'm going to try. I trust you. I love you. I lean in, Lord. I praise you. And if you've, di- if you've done it for Jesus, you'll do it for me. And if you've done it for Habakkuk, you'll do it for me. And if you've done it for those pastors in Iran, you'll do it for me. And Lord, I praise you. So tonight, would you stand with me? We're going to practice this. Here in just a minute, we're going to sing a song with the lyric that says, I've seen you move You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. This is, I think, the right song to sing on a night like this. We're going to bring all of our questions into the presence of the Lord, and we're not going to fake it. And what I want you to do right now is actually to, to think about collecting the very worst thing about your life right now. I want you to do that work. Would you close your eyes? And would you, some of you, right when I say the very worst thing, you know what it is. 
Like you don't have to pray and think and wait. It's just right there. It's always with you. But I want you to think about the very worst thing about your life right now. And I want you to gather that up and imagine yourself holding it in your hands. You've done the work of of getting it out of you and taking it into your hands. And I want you in this moment to see yourself beginning to trust it to the Lord. Would you give it over to the Father who gave over his Son? Would you give it over to the Son of God who gave over his life? Would you give it over to the Spirit tonight who gives over to us the love of the Father and the Son? Would you pass what you've been carrying to the one who carried it to the cross? Lord, we need to release it tonight. It's been killing us. It's been destroying us. It's been eating us alive from the inside out. It's been wearing us out. It's been stealing our sleep. It's been stealing our joy. It's been contaminating our relationships. It's been messing with our work. It's, it, it's just all pervasive. And if we don't give it over, it's going to tank us. And so tonight, we just say, take it, Lord. Would you, would you now just drop it out of your hands, release it. Lord, only you know what to do with this. Only you know how to conquer this. Only you know how to sort this out. Only you know what it feels like to carry this into death. Jesus, you've done it. And so we trust you tonight. We give it to you tonight. We release it tonight. Can you just say those words, Lord, I release that to you. Before we receive communion, we need to repent. We need to give ourselves wholly to the Lord. We need to pray this prayer of confession. Bruce, if you'd get that prayer of confession ready, what we're going to say tonight is, most merciful God, we confess. Let's pray this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name and all God's people said, amen. I have good news for you tonight. Scripture says if we confess, our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. He knew what his best friends were going to face. He knew that they would carry their own crosses. He knew that they would be imprisoned. He knew that they would be defamed. He knew that they would be falsely accused. He knew that they would lose friendships and family members over their commitment to him. Jesus knew what it was going to take. And so on that night, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Jesus went first. Jesus took it first. Jesus said, nevertheless, first. Jesus carried the cross first. 
Jesus broke the bread first and he passes it to us tonight to give us the power to stand at the rampart, to station ourselves and to wait to see what the Lord will say. Jesus gives us the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. You may receive the bread tonight. On the same night, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant. It's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. A new day has dawned because of what Jesus has done for us. So whatever you come to this table with, you carry moment, to this moment shame, you carry to this moment fear, you carry to this moment guilt, you carry to this moment questions about the future, you carry to this moment a, a past. We all have a past that we bring up to this moment and we drop it here at the table and we walk to this other side and Jesus hands us the cup and he says, this is my blood given for you, given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, Remember. So Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's why we can praise you in advance. Because you've done something for us that we could not do for ourselves. You've cleansed us and you've healed us and you've given us a new start. You've made a new covenant between God and humankind. And we find ourselves caught up into it tonight and we say thank you. You may receive the cup. As we sing this song do it again. I want you to carry that moment that you've released to the Lord and just say, I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. Let's worship tonight by faith. Let's give it everything we have.
doesn't always add up in the spreadsheet praise that is in front of the miracle praise that costs us something a praise that sounds like nevertheless make us the people of praise for those who need to start telling the truth tonight pray you give them courage courage to name it courage to address it Courage to trust you're not fragile. Courage to trust that you want to hear from them. Wake us up, Lord. Give us our souls back. Give us our emotions back. Give us the range of our feelings back. Give us our voices back. Lord, I pray tonight for my friends that you would bless them. 
you know what they need. I pray for each family here, each person, each unique soul in this place. You know exactly what they need. And I pray, Lord, that you would chase down that thread and that you would help them, help them, help them, help bless them, Lord, and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift your bright smile on them. Let your countenance mark their faces. In a world of darkness, let the people of God be a light. And would you grant them peace, I pray tonight, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Woo! It's good to be together. We're going to have our prayer team down front. For those of you who want prayer, we're going to have our prayer team down here. We got a little bit of anointing oil on one side and Purell on the other. So we can pray for you anyway. If you need prayer, come on down. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.